The Baltimore Ravens made two big splashes on day two of 2022 free agency. Talk about those, your mailbag questions, and more next year on Locked On Ravens. You are Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we return here with another episode of Locked On Ravens or Daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. I am your host, Kevin Ostriker of Ravens Wire. We're, of course, here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Ravens your first listen of the day. We're free and available on all platforms. We return here on a midweek edition of the show. And do we have a ton to talk about today? The Ravens making some moves on Tuesday after having a pretty relatively quiet, or I'm going to say completely quiet, Monday into Tuesday afternoon, but then Tuesday afternoon hit. The Ravens make some moves. First signing former New Orleans Saints safety Marcus Williams to a five-year, $70 million contract. Then about 9 p.m. Eastern time on Tuesday night, they signed Morgan Moses, the former New York Jets offensive tackle. That was a reported three years, $15 million. Two positions of need that the Ravens had. And, and I think this works well in their favor. Two great players, and I'm excited to talk about them here today, and it kind of lines up well. So we'll talk about Marcus Williams in the first segment, Morgan Moses in the second segment, and then in our final segment, we'll dive into your mailbag questions as well as a little bit of where the Ravens go from here as free agency moves along. So let's dive into the content. Before we do that, though, if you're here with us in video form on YouTube, you can see my face. My virtual background was still going with virtual for a little bit. We'll be back with the normal, regular, you know, I can touch the wall background on Monday. But be sure to follow us, and that means subscribing to the channel, liking the video. We're almost to 1,000 subscribers. We're so close, and that was my first goal here on Locked On Ravens. We're, we're, we're so close. And if so, if you haven't subscribed yet, you're thinking about it, I highly recommend you do so. Also, if you like the video, that also helps out a ton. And thank you for if you've already subscribed. I really appreciate it. Also, in audio form, we're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, the same show in both video and audio form. Be sure to follow us there. Also, be sure to follow me on Twitter at kostriker 34 and the Locked On Ravens account at Locked On Ravens. But let's dive into the content, starting off with Marcus Williams and just his fit overall in this Ravens defense. And I know that people have been clamoring for that kind of free safety ball hawk type player who has the range, can make quarterbacks pay on bad throws deep, and just is a, is a presence in the back end of that secondary, can play single high. Marcus Williams is that. He can provide that. And I, I had three safeties in mind who I thought would have really been fits for the Ravens, and, and all in different ways, obviously. But Tyron Matthew, Marcus Williams, Marcus May. I, I love Tyron Matthew. I think that his fit would have been great. But I think Marcus Williams is more along the lines of what the Ravens do need at the moment. Just, again, that rangy guy. Tyron Matthew, you can play all over the field, bring him up in the box, do a lot of things with him. But I think Williams, you have to look at the age difference as well. Marcus Williams is 25 years old right now. Tyron Matthew, 29, so that's four-year difference. If Matthew got a five-year contract, let's say, for Matthew, I think it might be more like four or potentially even three. But if you're comparing contracts, when looking at a player like Marcus Williams compared to Tyron Matthew, the age is a huge factor. Williams just now entering his prime. And now the starting secondary for the Ravens, looking at two corners, two safeties, Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Peters, Marcus Williams, and Chuck Clark. That's a very formidable. It's really good. 
and also it's balanced out. You don't have too much of one specific thing. And I think now with a rangy player like Marcus Williams, you can use Marcus Peters to more of the way that he likes, which is we all know Marcus Peters takes those risks. He hits on those risks a lot, but also we know that sometimes he does miss on those risks and a big play can be given up. But now with having a player like Williams back there, who is a turnover machine, someone who I think can really do some damage in this Baltimore defense. And that will in turn, it's a chain reaction, right? In turn, that helps out the pass rush because if quarterbacks have to hold on to the ball for longer, that's more time for the pass rush to get there. It all is a chain reaction going hand in hand or link and link, whatever you want to call it there. I'm ecstatic with this signing. And when actually looking at what Marcus Williams brings to the table in terms of a statistic perspective, has played five seasons in the NFL has a total of 15 interceptions, two seasons of four interceptions, one season of three, and two seasons of two, 320 total tackles. This is a player who I'm, again, I'm not in shock the Ravens signed him, but I'm, I was, I kind of looked at him. I'm like, hey, I would love this guy on the Ravens. I think this is a great fit. It's what they need. It's awesome. But I thought, all right, the money might not be there. They just might not have the, the cap or the, Average annual value, guarantees, incentives, whatnot, the contracts, these can be very difficult things to negotiate, but I just didn't think they would have the money to go out and get a guy like Marcus Williams. But now this locks in a guy not just for this season, and that's something that some people have had the debate about, about whether this should just be like a stopgap year where it's signing one, two-year deals and saying, all right, this is the window, and if this if the window fails, then we're going to be in some trouble because – you know, Lamar Jackson signing that huge deal. There's a lot that goes into it. I think this is the smart play to do, though, because we got a player locked in in a youngish secondary. I mean, Chuck Clark is not old or anything. Marlon Humphrey, not old. The only oldish guy out of the four I mentioned was Marcus Peters. You have uncertainty with Jimmy Smith. What's going to happen with him? There's a lot that goes into these decisions. And I think the Ravens made the right one with Marcus Williams. And I had said on yesterday's show, if you haven't checked out yesterday's show, I highly recommend you do so. But I said on yesterday's show, that, look, the Ravens, it's kind of par for the course that they might not do anything on the first day. It, but it was literally like nothing. They did nothing. No, of None of their free agents re-signed or went elsewhere. It was literally a Ravens-free 24 hours starting with the, the legal tampering period beginning at 12 Eastern and then going all the way to 12 Eastern the next day. There was no Ravens news, none. But then the big splash here, it was the right play for the Ravens. And this is a move that signals that the Ravens aren't shying away from this. I had talked about how there was there was the debate about Eric DaCosta and how if he was a little bit people people use the word scared to give out a big money contract because of what happened with Earl Thomas and how obviously off the field it didn't work. But we saw on the field Earl Thomas was exactly what that defense needed. Rangy quarterbacks barely threw at him, and when they did throw out throw at him, they had a terrible completion percentage. Earl Thomas was what the Ravens needed on the field. Off the field, it was never a good fit, and, and that's just what it is. Marcus Williams is different. Marcus Williams is going to be great on the field. I have a feeling for the Ravens. Off the field, though, he's a hard worker. There, there's the video of him finding out, you know, he's he's getting all excited about coming to Baltimore. Earl Thomas, it just seemed off to me. Like I don't know if anybody else felt this way, but the, the first couple press conferences, he just didn't fit into, I think, the Ravens team in the players and the personalities, for example. And I think that all kind of came to a head and we saw what ended up happening. But Williams will allow this defense, especially Mike McDonald early on, to learn and grow because you're working with a new piece and a high level new piece where he's now, 
he's he's 25. He's not necessarily a 30 year old veteran or anything where he's been to you know all these playoff games and won all these Super Bowls or anything. But he has experience, and I think that's very valuable for a player who is just now entering his prime. Now he he, he gets joked about a lot because during his rookie season, obviously, if you've seen the uh, Minneapolis miracle with Stephon Diggs, he was the player who whiffed horrendously on that tackle with no seconds left. Time expires. Stephon Diggs goes into the end zone and. You know, the rest of that is history, but he was a rookie then. He's learned a lot. A lot of people kind of view him as a meme, but he's he's one of the best safeties in the NFL, and he's getting, I believe it's top seven safety money. So for a 25-year-old player who has ascended each and every season, who's entering his prime, I keep going back to that point, this is a good deal for Baltimore, and we all know secondary was a key aspect of this. This also allows Brandon Stevens to kind of roam around and – do his thing a little bit more. He can play in the slot. He can play around on the defense a little bit, whereas he's not going to necessarily be forced to come in and be the free safety for them. He can play to his strengths a little bit more, which I'm not saying Stevens couldn't come in there and play free safety, but at the same time, I think you want to have as much positional flexibility with your positions as possible. And, and this provides the Ravens an opportunity to do that with Brandon Stevens. Other fallouts from this, Deshaun Elliott, he's someone who I've said will come back to the Ravens on a one-year prove-it deal. I don't know if that's the case anymore. The Ravens already have a very deep safety room, obviously includes players like Stevens, Geno Stone, et cetera, or Darius Washington if he returns. So you have to look at it that way and just say, do the Ravens have enough room to, one, sign Elliott to a contract that he might be looking for, and two, give him enough playing time to where it's worth it for him? Like if the Ravens re-signed Deshaun Elliott, their safety room is one of the deepest in the NFL. But is, is Elliott going to want to play second fiddle to Marcus Williams or to Chuck Clark and not have ample time? I still think the Ravens can make the three safety look work. I talked about that earlier, especially like last offseason. But now it's a matter of what the Ravens can do with the players they have. This is a great start. It also eliminates a need for the draft. I don't think the Ravens draft the safety now maybe very late. But I don't, you know, they don't need to spend a second round pick, a third round pick on a safety. They can focus in on other needs. And that's what I was saying on yesterday's show, where as these free agent signings begin to happen, we'll be able to kind of pinpoint and identify needs where the Ravens need to spend early and other ones they can now push off. So Marcus Williams, five years, $70 million for the Baltimore Ravens, a great move all around. But that's not all we have in terms of moves made on Tuesday for the Ravens. We'll make it back here on Locked on Ravens. I'll tell you a bit about Morgan Moses in that deal, so stay tuned for that. But before we do that, I want to tell you a bit about Built Bar. And this time of year, people have given up on their New Year's resolutions, but don't do that this year. If yours is to eat right, do it with Built Bar. And if you haven't tried the Built Bar Puffs, you are missing out. They're the first ever protein-infused marshmallows. They're fluffy marshmallow and they're not just a protein bar. They're a treat. All Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate and they're low-calorie, high-protein. And you can go to Built.com and scroll down see the macros chart that contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. They also have a ton of great flavors like mint brownie, coconut, coconut, almond. And you can go to Built.com right now. Use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. We're back here. Our second segment of Lockdown Ravens. Kevin Ostriker, your host, still here with you. And we're now going to dive into Morgan Moses and the Ravens deal that they made with him. But first, thank you for making Lockdown Ravens your first listen every day. Make sure you're following Lockdown NFL. Lockdown experts covering the biggest stories around the NFL every Monday through Friday in less than 30 minutes. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast. But Morgan Moses, this is a player who I have identified, and I know, I know other people have done this too, of like – this is a Raven, right? Like th this is a player who could be a Raven one day. And I think that for now you have a player who can step in at right tackle immediately and start 
the first thing I, I think about when I think about Morgan Moses is durability and consistency. Morgan Moses came to the NFL in 2014 and didn't really play a ton, only played in eight games, started one of them. Since then, from 2015 on to, you know, through the 2021 season, Morgan Moses has played in every single game. Every game for seven years he's played it. He's started all but one of those games. That's incredible. And the Ravens, for a team that went through so many injuries along their offensive line last season, for a team that is going to potentially need somebody to step in for Ronnie Stanley, Morgan Moses did play a bit of left tackle. He is more of a right tackle. I will say that. He's not this uber versatile piece who can play right and left tackle you know in a pinch and, and just he is defined as that he's he's not he is a right tackle but that's okay because he could he could come in and play left tackle if the Ravens really needed him to but what this creates for the Ravens is a competition between him and Jawan James at the right tackle spot I've always said on this show Pastor McCary is an ideal super six six man offensive lineman where you can use him in all five positions if you need to, and he can provide you decently high-level play at all five of those positions, where you don't necessarily want to have him tied down to one of those positions, because if he's starting at right tackle and then the, the, the left guard goes out, let's say, then the Ravens will have to shuffle their offensive line and make this happen. I'm not, I'm not saying McCurry isn't talented enough to start. I think he definitely is, but I think that my ideal role for him is the first offensive lineman off the bench can play all five of those positions. So, Moses is going to come in. I personally think he wins the starting right tackle job. But Jawan James, Jawan James, I think, is a little forgotten among Ravens fans. He signed that two-year deal after coming off that torn Achilles where Denver decided to void his contract and get rid of him. He ends up rehabbing in Baltimore and, and really is checked into the whole thing, it seems like. John Harbaugh, you know, tons of praise for him. I think James is somebody who this organization really, really likes. And they paid him a decently sized chunk of money to come in and just kind of sit on the sidelines for the first year and now second season, he's going to have an opportunity to really make some noise. And James, he signed a big money deal with the Broncos for a reason, really excelled in Miami, but Denver injuries were injuries, absences. He took the 2020 year off due to COVID. So he's a player who I just has not played a lot in recent seasons. This gives the Ravens an insurance option and whichever one, if, if both players are kept, whichever one ends up losing out on that starting job is one of the best backups in the NFL for right tackle. Now the Ravens have immense depth, but they can't be complacent with just that. I think they, they do need to add maybe one more young tackle in the draft. I think that would be in their best interest because ideally, obviously Ronnie Stanley and whichever one of Moses and James wins that job, that that's ideally your duo for, for years. But the Ravens committed to Morgan Moses for three seasons. They obviously see a lot in him off the field. He takes care of his body a lot. He's talked about how he values taking care of his body, which I'm sure is music to Ravens fans' ears based off of that injury-riddled season the team had in 2021. But I know a lot of people maybe wanted more of like a Leo Collins, Trent Brown, for example. I, I was on board with Collins. Brown I was a little bit out on. I just think that the contract that he's going to ultimately demand would not be worth it, and he's not the big needle mover in my opinion. And Moses is not the big, like, he, he's a top two tackle. He can move the needle to a Super Bowl, but he is better than what they had. And that is the key. And he is a lot better than what they had. You know, they're not getting top four tackle production, most likely out of them, but they're getting solid production and durability and the ability to know who's going to be your right tackle if he wins that job. That I think is very, very valuable. And if Stanley isn't ready and the Ravens want to move forward with the, all right, you're, you're going to left tackle, Morgan Moses. They can do it, although maybe I think that's where 
you take more of a left tackle in the draft and you kind of go from there in terms of where they would take that left tackle. I don't think the Ravens need to necessarily take a tackle in the draft early anymore. They they could like if they, if they have a player who they feel like is the next, like if Ikea Kwanu falls, I'm trading up for Ikea Kwanu, right? Charles cross, very talented. They could even take him at 14 if he falls, but now the Ravens, the Morgan Moses signing gives them so much positional flexibility in the draft to take best player available at 14. And so we know safety's off the board there. We know most likely, not guaranteed, but most likely offensive tackle is off the board there. So what are you looking at? You're probably looking at defensive line, edge rusher, cornerback, potentially wide receiver. I don't see that happening though. I'm kind of narrowing my focus down to defensive line edge and cornerback. Those are the three. There are very talented positional groups in this draft. This is a very deep draft class. And I think some of the deepest ones are at cornerback and edge rusher. Defensive line, it, it's 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 medium. There are some talented players. It's not the deepest though. But there are players like Jordan Davis, Sauce Gardner, Derek Stingley, Andrew Booth, Jermaine Johnson, Trevon Walker, David Ajabo. Those are a ton of prospects. And of course, there are going to be other teams taking top offensive linemen, top edge rushers, such as Aiden Hutchinson, Kayvon Thibodeau, right? You have multiple teams where you're going to likely see two or three really good prospects who you might be thinking, there's no way he falls, now fall to the Ravens. And they're not going to be pigeonholed into taking Trevor Penning at 14 if they don't feel like he's the answer. Because I know, look, myself included, I don't view Trevor Penning as a number 14 pick for me. I think you trade down on the first round to get him, but now you don't even have to do that at this point, because if there is a generational talent or someone who you believe can turn into a star at the next level and can contribute in year one, as well as years and years beyond on the defensive side of the ball, you don't have to force a tackle pick there because you now have Morgan Moses and Jawan James and hopefully a healthy Ronnie Stanley, although obviously you can't guarantee that and Patrick McCary and, if you take a ta- if you take like a Rashid Walker in the third round or Abraham Lucas, et cetera, those are all quality options where you could say, hey, we got David Ajabo in the first round and and we got th- this this corner in the second round, Kyler Gordon in the second round, and now we take an offensive tackle. If that's what the Ravens say to themselves, I think that is a home run. Both these signings, Marcus Williams, Morgan Moses, they fill needs out. And again, as I said, this gives us more of an insight into just where the Ravens could go in the draft. It feels to me like defense will probably be the first pick in the first round in number 14 or wherever they pick, whether it's moving up, going down. There, there's a ton of stuff to make of these two moves, but this also shows that the Ravens, they, they understand that they had to make moves to keep up, not because they're bad or anything, right? This is a good roster, but teams are improving. The Ravens also have to improve and they're, they're trusting their process. And a key point here also is that these two were not cut. They were not released by teams. So they are both unrestricted free agents, which means that the Ravens will, they will count negatively against the compensatory pick formula for the Ravens. And I think, again, this is the right move. This is what the Ravens needed to do in this situation to secure a better roster for now and the future. This wasn't like they punted on the compensatory picks for a one-year rental of a 35-year-old safety. They did it for a 25-year-old safety who was going to be at the top of his game for many more years. They did it for a tackle who can step in right away and play. Uh, I'm very impressed with what Eric Acosta did yesterday and this Baltimore team did yesterday. I said on yesterday's show, there there was no movement. And if the Ravens didn't make any movement yesterday, then 
it would have been like, hmm, what's the plan here, right? Because more and more guys starting to come off the board. But the Ravens showed on Tuesday they're going to be aggressive. I don't think they're even done yet. You know, I think they're, they're going to meet with a couple guys. We'll talk about that in the final segment before getting into mailbag questions. But I'm, I'm ecstatic about these two signings. They fill positions of need, and they're both very, very talented players. We'll head into our final break here now, though. But don't go far because – where you still have a ton to talk about, including some extra Ravens notes as well as some mailbag questions. So stay tuned for that. And we will be right back. We are back. Our final segment of Locked on Ravens. Kevin Ostreicher, your host, still here with you. Thank you again for making Locked on Ravens your first listen of the day. And I'll make your second listen Locked on NFL Draft. Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback Eric Cracker bringing the NFL Draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast. And let's talk about first before mailbag questions, some Ravens news as they actually are reported to have a visit scheduled on Friday with Bears or former Bears defensive lineman Eddie Goldman. And, and he is someone who is a stuffing nose tackle, run stuffing nose tackle, also can generate some interior pressure. I, I think that'd be a good cheap signing. I do still believe the Ravens bring back one of Clay's Campbell or Brandon Williams if. Goldman is the signing. Brandon Williams is probably on the way out. Campbell comes back. I think that's the more likely scenario anyway. I think Campbell just has more in the tank, provides more versatility for them. Only one Ravens free agent re-signed or departed, and that was Eric Tomlinson, who ended up departing from the Ravens going to the Denver Broncos on a one-year reported deal there. So best of luck to Eric Tomlinson. The Ravens also were awarded three compensatory picks in the 2022 draft. Pick 100, 139, and one. 41, so one-third and two-fourth round selection. So that's big for them. The third-round pick coming from David Culley and his departure for the Houston head coaching job, which ultimately only lasted one season. The fourth-round picks coming from Matthew Judon and Yannick Ngakwe leaving the team. But let's talk about mailbag, let's talk about mailbag questions and also a bit about where this team goes from here. And I'm going to try to incorporate it into both. So I'll talk about the mailbag questions as well as where the team can go from here. We have a bunch of comments first, though, for our mailbag from Be More Finest, who says, Lamar Jackson is betting on himself. Young man got me super excited for what's to come. Convince some phrases that one-year deals to join this man vibe could lead to a top payday at their positions next year, especially when Lamar wins this bet. A selling point I would be dishing out. Can we handshake Wagner, B. Williams, Mike Pierce, Campbell, Justin Newsom until after the draft is signed? Let's tell, like, tell them to go on a vacation and come in during training camp, and let's get to work bring, being vets and all. No need for OTAs. Considering I'm a diehard Ravens fan and no, we're not going to attend a business until the official league year starts. How many of our own free agents are coming back home? How many vets can we squeeze in before the draft? So, yeah, a, a ton of good points here from Be More Finest. I think that, yeah, Lamar Jackson betting on himself, it seems more and more like that. I think he should. I think that's the smart move for him. He understands what this quarterback market is like. I think that's a totally okay thing that he's doing. Convincing free agents, one-year deals. That's This is actually an interesting point. One-year deals aren't the best way for the Ravens to do business at this moment, unless they're for very small amounts of money. Because if you do multi-year deals, you can push that money across multiple seasons. Whereas one-year deals, you're paying out that money for the most part. So I think the Ravens, if they're going to make a big ticket signing again, which I don't think it's going to be a five-year, $70 million signing, but if they do that for, let's let's say Zadarius Smith, they're not going to give them a one-year $15 million deal. They'll probably want to spread that cap hit out so they give them two, three, potentially even four years example. You know, that's an example of that. Also, handshaking, handshaking guys. So the guys listed here, Wagner, 
B. Williams, Mike Pierce, Campbell, Justin Houston, all those guys wouldn't need to be handshaked. I assume that what Be More Finest means is after the compensatory pick formula is now out of the question, then the Ravens can sign those guys. Bobby Wagner was a cut. Michael Pierce was a cut. Williams, Campbell, Houston are all Ravens free agents. So actually none of those guys would count against the compensatory pick formula. So if the Ravens were to get one of those guys, they wouldn't have to say, hey, let's let's wait until the draft, but you're actually signing here. You know, they, they don't need to do that with them. And we also have, let's see, he says, well, <laughs> the Ravens attended business before the league year started getting Marcus Williams and getting Morgan Moses. How many of our free agents are coming back home? Um, I think, honestly, the more, so the more that there's not a movement on Bradley Bozeman's market, the more likely it seems to me he's going to come back to the Ravens. Now, I love J.C. Treader, the Cleveland Brown center that was released. I think he is a phenomenal option, great pass blocker, head of the NFLPA, great off the field. If the Ravens can secure him or Bradley Bozeman, the offensive line all of a sudden is in very, very, very good shape. And the rest of the roster is too, because again, you have another need filled out there. So Bradley Bozeman, I'm going to say the Ravens get one of Bradley Bozeman or J.C. Treader. That, you know, we'll see what happens there. Deshaun Elliott, I now think, leaves. Patrick Ricard, I don't know. I think he comes back. I don't know if the market's really what he wants right now. Maybe it is, but I just feel like his best fit is with the Ravens. Anthony Averett, I think, is gone. Sammy Watkins, I think, is gone. Clayus Campbell, I think, comes back. Brandon Williams, I think, is gone. Josh Bonds, I think, comes back. LJ Ford, I think, comes back. Chris Ford, I'm on the fence. So they have a lot of options to bring back or potentially not bring back. Justin Houston, I also think, comes back, by the way. But I don't know. There are there, there's just been so little movement over the first few days for Ravens free agents that I don't know. I think they're gonna have ample opportunity to maybe bring some of these guys back on lesser deals than I think some people might have anticipated. And that's really, really good because there are some talented Ravens players out there who could make an impact for a team. But if they're not willing to pay the money, they could come back to the Ravens in a very familiar situation for them. Next, let's get into a question from Jose Angel Lara, who asks. I know we might have some answers before Wednesday, but what are the chances Bozeman is back? Also, how likely is it that we can get both Matthew and Wagner considering they haven't signed in and a significant chunk of the market has already dried up? So, yeah. So the questions here were asked on Monday or Tuesday, like early Tuesday. So the chances Bozeman comes back, I, I kind of talked about that just now a little bit where I think every day that he does not sign is a much better chance he comes back to Baltimore and the market just maybe isn't what he wanted. And now that it's really only him and J.C. Treader. It's his market has been really weird. Like, honestly, I feel like because he comes in, obviously one of the best centers on the market. You have Ryan Jensen and Ben Jones, Brian Allen, et cetera, also alongside him. Jensen goes back to Tampa before free agency starts. Then Allen and Jones sign pretty early on. And all of a sudden teams who need centers, there, there aren't as many anymore. And there's only really that one big option. And then J.C. Treader hits the market, who a lot of teams, I think, really like. So Bozeman's market shrinks again. And for me, it's like if they don't get one of those two, if the Ravens don't get Bozeman or Treader, I just go to the draft and draft a mid-round guy. I don't know if Tyler Linderbaum is, is my perfect dream center. I know I know he, he is lauded as one of the best prospects in history, but I don't know. The scheme fits a little questionable for me. So I think the chances Bozeman comes back are much, much greater than they were when free agency started. Also, how likely is it that we can get both Matthew and Wagner considering they haven't signed yet? So I'm going to replace Matthew with Marcus Williams and Wagner because I I don't think the Ravens are going to sign Tyron Matthew after signing Marcus Williams. Wagner, I think, is still possible, but I think Baltimore really only has one more 
big, big signing if it is a big signing. And if it is Wagner, I think that's a great one to have. But I feel like they could prioritize an edge rusher first over an inside linebacker because if they feel like Josh Bynes is the guy, then they can take a fourth round inside linebacker. Like, uh, I don't know, Troy Anderson, for example, they could do that and go that route. But also, Miles Jack was released by the Jacksonville Jaguars. He should have been a Raven a long time ago. I thought they should have drafted him. Instead, they did not do that. But, you know, you can only look at that in hindsight. But I, I would love Wagner on the Ravens. I think that's a perfect pair with Patrick Queen, veteran with championship experience. I'm not ruling it out. I think it could happen. But I think it is probably a little less likely now that the Ravens could do that. But if the Ravens decide to forego the edge rusher for agent class and look to the draft instead, then – you look at inside linebacker and corner as the other two needs in, in free agency. And I think cornerback, there are guys like Dante Jackson who I really like, but I think Wagner or Jack could be the answer for the Ravens as maybe their final big ticket signing of the free agency period. So that's where I am with that. And then JL asks, how much trade value does Miles Boykin and Devin Duvernay have? <laughs> so Miles Boykin, I don't think has a lot of trade value. Um, I think Devin Duvernay has a lot more. But I don't think the Ravens are trading Devin Duvernay unless it's for, unless the team is like, hey, we'll give you Devontae Adams, but we really want Devin Duvernay back. Like that, that's that's where I'm saying I'd trade Duvernay from the Ravens, but I don't see a reason to trade him. You know, he's a he's one of the top punt returners in the NFL, someone who has established himself as a, I'm not going to call him a gadget guy. I think that's a little offensive t- towards him because he's more than a gadget guy, but I think he's a very versatile player. He can do a lot of different things. Miles Boykin, I, I don't see him making the team this year. He's going to need a Jalen Ferguson type preseason to make this team in my books. For for those who don't know, Jalen Ferguson preseason, I had Jalen Ferguson off of my roster in 2021 during the preseason. He had a good enough preseason. He, he put himself back on my roster. So for now, Miles Boykin, if you can get a conditional seventh for Miles Boykin, I think that'd be good. But I just don't think he has the trade value. Maybe it seems he's potential in his big body, his speed, and says, you know what, we'll give you a seventh and call it a day. I'd take that from the Ravens, get the extra draft capital, gives them more to move up with. But yeah, t- a ton of stuff here. And, and in terms of where the Ravens go from here, just very quickly before we get off for the day, I think that for the Ravens, they have options. This is not, they've signed Marcus Williams and Morgan Moses and they're done and they can't sign anybody else ever. I still think they need to balance out resigning their own guys with maybe one or two more outside players but they have enough talent on their roster now, plus the guys that are returning to make it so that they have plenty of avenues to explore and the needs that they have still, there are big ones. Obviously edge is one inside linebacker, corner, et cetera, maybe a tight end, like a Hayden Hurst, for example, a wide receiver, like Jarvis Landry, some of those needs center. Obviously we'll see what happens, but they have needs. And if they fill out one or two or even three more before the draft, it will make their lives a lot easier, in my opinion, because they can focus on best player available while not, again, needing to be forced or feel forced to take a pick. So I'd expect a couple more moves over the course of this next week or two. And then as the market continues to dry up and there are still some players looking for work that maybe the Ravens feel they can get some value out of, that could be the key for them. But that's all I have for you here today on Locked on Ravens. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll still talk about this Ravens team, of course, here back tomorrow as we'll dive more into the signings of Marcus Williams and Morgan Moses and talk about any other Ravens news. So stay tuned for that, and I will see you tomorrow.